Podcast. Welcome to our inaugural episode. My name is Elliot Pavitsis. Today I'm speaking with Hayden Surratt, who recently wrote about what he calls the new scramble for Africa. Hayden, tell us a bit more about your article. Okay, so the article is mainly trying to explore kind of what's going on in Africa at the moment with uh, both Chinese and Western companies coming in to try to find this new expanding market. Africa is considered the biggest expanding market in the world by uh, the end of the century. It'll definitely have overtaken, um, at the African population will have overtaken China's. Um, and so it's just, there's so much economic opportunity and so much potential to actually go in to find all these opportunities and then kind of get into the nitty gritty of it of some of the ethical considerations um, and can will African peoples actually benefit from this or will just these Western Chinese companies use it as another place of exploitation. That's true, yes. Yeah. So and that's really when I read your article what I picked up on. So like when you look at a you know foreign investment which is you know the vehicle that it seems from your article and when you read you mm-hmm. know other news sources that all this capital is flowing into Africa, whether it's in the form of infrastructure and uh, 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 other things, which I guess we'll get to in a moment, because the article did really talk really well about that. Uh, I think one thing that Africa seems to struggle with throughout its history since gaining, and many African nations gained independence, is good governance. So, you know, they swing between democracies, dictatorships, and hybrids, and sometimes even, in case, say, communist regimes, if you look back to the Cold War. But I have a question for you. Would foreign investment seem to be a substitute for good governance? Because if you look, for example, you mentioned China in your article, they're mm-hmm. investing in a lot of infrastructure, So, and there's even good examples of it. So in Kenya, they're building railways, for example. In Djibouti, they bought it a port. Um, how, did, for an African government, are you able to use this as a substitute for you know, governing your country effectively? Uh, no, because at the end of the day, it does still come down to the people in government and corruption. Corruption is a massive problem in Africa. And so usually what happens with IMF loans is there's clauses, corruption clauses to keep the money not uh, being used for uh, corruption just going in the pockets to actually benefit. So a lot of the problem, though, with China is that most of their loans initially didn't have this contract, but now China's started to realize why the contract's important, because these infrastructure projects have stalled, the money has kind of just disappeared, and so um, <clears throat> China's now having to re- rethink about the Belt and Road, because I think they initially did that to undercut the Western loans, so people would go to China so they could get these projects um, up and running. But at the end of the day, it is... Um, good governance is required so they can use the funds effectively and one way for foreign investments to try to make sure they're used effectively is these different clauses but then you get into issues how do you police it and yes uh, so that's the appeal of china's loans is uh their 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 ability and i think this has been kind of china's uh i guess their way that they've been able to aggressively expand their economic influence is the fact that they disregard human rights to a certain, a certain extent and they won't look at good governments but it seems that China actually China's actually kind of grown up in this regard even though we read you know constantly at the news that look China doesn't do this the right way they're not uh, you know acting within the international system in the way we would like them to do per, them to per se but perhaps you see this as a sign as maybe maturity from the Chinese state and the Chinese financial system even uh, as as they're as what they're they're learning in Africa, would would you agree with that statement? Yeah. So, China and what they're doing in Africa, it's part of the large Belt and Road. Mm-hmm. Which, um, actually, last semester I wrote an article about the Belt and Road mm-hmm. in China, and so it's a very very ambitious project. They're trying to connect 
um, Asia, Europe, Middle East, Africa, the entire network with these infrastructure projects. And um, recently, the last year or two, there's starting to become a lot of problems with it. Uh, part of it is corruption in Africa, so China's kind of have to rethink the model there. But just all of the world, they have all these projects which are sinking money into. And at first, it helped the economies of whatever uh, country they invested in with these projects, but then it has since kind of stalled because um, now the first few like interest rates are coming up they can't pay them so China's having to either dump more money because then the project stalls and so uh, we're getting to a point now where the Belt and Road Initiative is kind of on the verge of collapse and right. uh, they're going to really have to rethink their strategy about it. Right and that kind of brings me to another uh, another uh, you know inspired idea from your article mm-hmm. so it's a is it even a scramble because what you mentioned in your article was uh, that you know Western companies like Google and Facebook are also you know entering the African market they're entering it in a much different way so uh, I mean you can speak I guess more to this how so are they you know entering right yeah so first they're entering because they see it as a massive uh, untapped market where they can go in and um, invest and really for more Facebook ads, you know, just all the digital infrastructure, which after websites, online businesses starting in Africa, and all the whole nine yards, what it means to kind of have an economy that's based in this digital age. And so what they're doing now is, I guess, the first kind of step into the market is they're building these ma- massive uh, data pipelines and connect- to try to connect all of Africa. They've had many many projects, which some of them are kind of humorous, like launching giant helium balloons into uh, the stratosphere to try to have connectivity. But a lot of the problems we're running into now comes back to the discussion about African governments. Um, So at times, uh, Facebook has had and Google have had to like shut down the networks from the requests of an African government in order to, um, because African governments are kind of afraid that if they do get connected, they might start having new ideas about democracy and revolution influences course, yeah. from other ways. So that's how they're kind of in. So the, I guess as a scramble then to get up to get to the point is, yeah. is uh, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a desire also for control in a sense. So I guess that does make it a scramble, I guess. Yeah, it, it does. So the, why I call it, call it the new scramble for Africa. I'm pulling from an economist article a few years ago, which called it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they they did it one to draw on the historical, um, just reference of the scramble for Africa to kind of uh, keep that in mind. Because as we're getting to new this new kind of scramble, air quotes there, yeah. <laughs> um, is uh, <clears throat> there is that still same risk of exploitation and profit. And how can the African people actually benefit? Because last scramble for Africa in the 19th, 20th centuries did not. Of course. That, yes. I'm, that is kind of obvious, and the effects of that still permeate today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is. So by calling it a scramble, I think it kind of puts into the mind that we have to be, we have to tread carefully. We have to make sure we're not exploiting anyone. Yeah. And so. And that's so that's the thing. If it's even a, if it is a scramble or not, because for for China, it's. It's it's interesting why they would want to go to, to Africa. China, in you know the past 20, 25, 30 years, has built the world's fastest growing economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, their population is the largest, uh, but it's aging now. So and and I think uh, if we're going to inspire from the past, something I'd like to pose to you is how does this re- almost compare, say, to 
You know, in the 1960s and 70s, American corporations started offshoring to China and started even offshoring to South America, Central America, uh, you know, diversifying their supply chains to, you know, lessen the reliance on labor at home. Do you think there's a parallel between China's move into Africa for they may want to do the same to manage their aging population? I'm not too sure if it comes down to population, their aging population. I think the reason why they're moving is more geostrategic uh, yeah. because... China does have a very large population, even though it is aging, they are kind of fine on people and um, also the countries surrounding China, if they do have to outsource labor, it's very easy there. The reason why they're doing it to Africa is, one, to try to have more global projection, um, because right now China, outside of kind of its vicinity in Asia, does not have that much influence. Right. Like you take the US for example, it can influence a country pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, same with the EU, but China can't really do that yet. Mm-hmm. And it could, this gets into like a whole kind of just looking at just the world system in general yes. and about how China is very much alone in the world. They don't really have any allies. They're the only really strong communist country, them and North Korea. Right. Um, and North Korea is pretty negligible when you talk about geostrategy. And so China, what they're doing is they're trying, um, one, to provide an alternative to the U.S. So how China promotes it is that the U.S. is very much win-lose. That's how they're they're saying it. Like, you work with the U.S., they're going to exploit you, this, this. But if you work with us, China, then Mm -hmm. it's a win-win. We will help you. And that's a core of the Belt Road. Well, that's true. President Xi has, even I've I've seen on the record that President Mm -hmm. Xi has gone to diplomatic summits and met with various leaders yep. from African nations. And even I think there was a meeting with the former Italian prime minister who used the latest phrase, win-win diplomacy. So yes. It, it's true. It's, it's, a, it's a hallmark of the current uh, Chinese diplomatic approach to mm-hmm. to, to, to the world. But, well, I mean, the, the thing is though, that with China and Africa, and so if they're competing if, with uh, Western companies per se, yep. I mean, how much of the competition though with that Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Apple, you know, all their business models, Apple maybe less, but Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, and Facebook for sure is storing data on servers in California. Yeah. That is their business model and using that to, to monetize. If the scram, if this, if, if the scramble to, uh, but also China, on the other hand, even though they claim win-win diplomacy, they've set up debt traps all over yeah, the world. It's... And that's partially their, perhaps their, uh, when they issued those, issued those loans, not a lack, a lack of oversight, and they, but all, but also it's malicious to an extent as well. You mm-hmm. can see that you know ports have been seized, and China now has a lot of influence in these countries that maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah. So, is is it is that's one way to characterize a scramble, but also the scramble is that is it not it not a scramble in the extent to the extent that you know maybe you know these these company companies from the West are just trying to expand their business models, and China and China is really. If do we really consider China a cooperative partner? What would you say to that? Yeah. So, first on China is that the initial Belt and Road was very much this win-win. It's only been like in the last year or two where China's motives are definitely starting to become in a question. Uh, there's still a lot of debate whether if they're actually trying to do these debt traps. There is empirical evidence in Djibouti and I think also in Sri Lanka where they have mm-hmm. these ports, and so that we have to keep that in mind. And also the aggression that South China should see. Are they really win-win? Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's now the question that's starting to come mm-hmm. up in everyone's minds. Um, and then the Western company side, Western nations are kind of notorious for 
not really doing much mm-hmm. with Africa. I mean, there's a legacy there, yeah. Yeah, and Trump has said some horrible stuff about it yes. because, uh, and it just that kind of just summarizes uh, the American view. Because one, America, the American government doesn't really want to get involved in Africa. Mm-hmm. Historically, they see it as Europe's problem, yes, why they're involved true. in South America. And then Europe, uh, the former colonial powers. Mm-hmm. Primarily the UK. The UK has less of an interest. France is really the only cl- former colonial power and European power which sure. takes a active interest in African politics. Um, but on the company side, the reason why they're expanding into it is because they see it as a huge market, huge profits to be made there. Yes. And um, <clears throat> so we have to. But then it kind of gets into another argument. Is that good or bad, yeah. will it end up being good for the long run for the African people, but if they're storing all the data in California, mm-hmm. then how can Africans like access that data exactly. to help inform policy? Well, that's that's an, that's, an, that's another thing too, it's, uh, is it, is it just going off the theme of challenging the idea of a scramble, is it, is it, is, is it, is it not? Uh, uh, if it was a true, true, true scramble, in this, but it's also how you define scramble because it was a scramble in the sense of how China wants to define it, which is building infrastructure and yeah. lending money, then it's not because you know, the, the, the American corporations and the Western corporations mm-hmm. are not taking the same interest, but also their interests are kind, would you say they're kind of aligned in a way because the, the way that you know, companies like Facebook and Google wanna, want to make money, and also if you even look at some European corporations for for example, so you know, Germany's auto auto industry, for example, has quite uh, oh, an African continent is quite an established manufacturing base in South Africa. Yeah. But uh, would you would would you, would you say though that in order for them to actually compete in the scramble, it's you know, the West would have to take a interest in infrastructure at a different to a different extent because the interests are interests are different. Yeah, so right now they are focusing on like two different things. So China's very much on the physical side, mm-hmm. while the West is very much on the digital side, the Western companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, characterizing it as a scramble, you can kind of say because the Western companies are kind of competing with China mm-hmm. and trying to find new markets. And I think as the Western companies get more and more and they actually start making like significant profit, the, government, the Western mm-hmm. governments will get involved yes. and then it'll become another battle between China and uh, the Western mm-hmm. governments. But so I think characterizing it, it can be characterized as a scramble because there are kind of two competing sides yeah. trying to take as much of Africa and get uh, their yeah. business as much as possible. Um, but on the other hand, they do have it is kind of different from the last side that they're not extracting the natural resources of Africa. The kind of extracting the digital resources, yes. and so it now gets into the question of should there be international organizations that come in and help uh, set the privacy laws, and which there definitely should, but then that takes global cooperation, yeah. which is exactly. well, but that's a good point to make as well because <clears throat> so it's also you know, international organizations could have a role in that, but also. Uh, you know, let's let we should also think about maybe you know Af- Africa does have some regional organizations. Mm-hmm. So there's the East African Economic yeah. Area, and then obviously the the, the big one, the African African Union. So 
and that kind of gets to the the, sec- the second part of kind of how I uh, went through your article and what, what 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 was really interesting about it is that you know what if you're an African government and you have some le- if, and, and you have things in, in in a good place so you're, you there's political stability so in a country like Rwanda or Kenya for example yeah. you know how 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 do you how do you approach this it's 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 a it's a, it's an opportunity because you could you you know when there's two sides competing against each other as the third party you can always play them off each other but also yeah. They're big. They're big presents, right? So what do you do, right? Like, um, what do you say to that? Uh, so one, so talk about Rwanda a little bit. They're the ones who actually built Africa's first big data mm-hmm. center. To, uh, to, and they did it in uh, cooperation with, I think, a university in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, South Africa, similarly, has worked with international uh, data partners to help. And so... We are. It is very early days to see how this will play out, uh, especially in terms of the data. Because one, the big data revolution is very, very new. That's oh, only course. been the last year or two, too. Uh, so, how that's going to play in a role? Because data has, it's just such a tremendously powerful tool for both good and evil. Um, and so, Africa needs a, and the regional partners can do a better job of coordinating of how to store this this data, how it should be used, try to hold each other, uh, different uh, nations accountable. Um, and because also with big data and just the world we live in today, there's a lot of opportunities for collaboration globally. So if African, Africa can actually build up their data infrastructure so that it that maybe not yet rivals the Europe, Australia, and the U.S. just their data science, but at least is a significant portion of the world's data. Then they can start collaborating more, uh, meet with these countries on more equal footing yes. in terms of research projects and then policy. So, mm-hmm. well, that's true. But also, I mean, even data, even data. I mean, you know, uh, both sides have their tentacles all over. Yeah, I guess if you want to speak, but metaphorically, because. I mean, there's that famous story of the African Union headquarters being built with Chinese funds, and then yeah. <laughs> I think engineers at the African Union found out that I, I think every night at a certain time, all the data was being uploaded to a server. Yeah, so, <laughs> it's. But, and, and, and then, I mean, but is that is that? And here's another question for you: Is that mm. is that? I mean, that's a very brazen example, but is that the same as you know, getting every African person's data on? Through Facebook and Google, so I get back to a server in California. Yeah. It's like are it's, they, it's, it's, it's are we are uh, are both sides really is really can really one side claim to be morally superior to each other and scramble? And I don't think def- de- definitely not because I mean we may say yeah it's better for Google and Facebook to have mm-hmm. the data because we're Western people, yeah, but course. for the Africa it's the same thing. It's they're going it's not it's going to that's Africa, true. So it's, so it's it's interesting <clears> I guess <throat> and I guess like you talked about when we when we opened this uh, discussion. <clears throat> Uh, you know, there's so much economic growth yeah. potential, and Trans- even you know, uh, I guess pa- pro- potential for uh, African states eventually start projecting power as you know international 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 players. So, would you say this scramble is probably is the pivotal moment where does Africa decide whether it is going to integrate into one or other side's version of an international system or does it become a, th- a, thir- a third way of sorts? Like, what, what do you say to that? Yeah, that is the big question right now because Africa is at the pivotal moment. There's so much foreign investment. There's so much influence from both Western and Chinese companies. Africa really is... One, they need to get the domestic affairs in order. Yes. Corruption needs to be uh, phased out, especially if they want to use data responsibly. Um, 
and actually compete as a player, they have to get the domestic issues sorted out. Uh, there are there is progress being made, um, but it's not there yet. And so I think we need uh, only time will tell if. The, but if they can't get their domestic affairs sorted out, then yes, they will be one of the biggest players in the next uh, century because they're the fastest growing population. Uh, soon their economies are starting to kick off and mm. especially if they get some good governance in order then definitely and then they'll start to um, really become uh, global players and can really compete with China, Europe and the US. Of course and it's it's also another uh, when we talk about a scramble for Africa mm-hmm. I mean China, uh, Europe, European, American and America kind of their interests kind of come come together uh, because they're historically aligned but I mean Africa is a huge diverse continent I mean if North Africa is a completely different place from you know the East Africa West Africa the southern tip of Africa mm-hmm. Africa it's 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 so diverse and we don't, and I don't think we even hear enough about the diversity of Africa because Africa yeah. because frankly it hasn't we haven't paid enough attention to it uh, but it's also is if in the, in the context of a scramble, uh, would would you also say the fact that you know is it really a scramble even between just China and the I guess the West because you could say countries like Saudi Arabia, uh, India, and even even the other various mid, middle middle eastern middle, middle eastern or uh, Arab states like. Egypt, for example, who are you know kind of stra- straddled with two continents, yeah. and have, have have interest as well because they they I mean they're not you know, and in this on at the scale of you know China and, and the West, but they're on the ground there. Well, yeah, China can... and and Western nations you know have oceans to cross to get to Africa. How, how, how do you say? Do you think there's a disruptionary aspect of uh, other powers that are in the region that? already have an established uh, way of doing things with Africa. Yeah, so like Saudi Arabia is probably the best example because they are right there. Mm-hmm. They're, um, well, Egypt, I think just it was yesterday that they declared the four-year state of emergencies over. So Egypt mm-hmm. has some issues to work out of on course, their own yeah. first. But Saudi Arabia, they have, uh, they're a very established state. They don't have that much domestic issues. They have, uh, the goals are mainly oil. So I think mm-hmm. when they're interacting with Africa, it's on those terms, which then brings in kind of climate change yeah, and that's true. Uh, which I think is just a whole nother discussion we don't yeah, need to go to because that could be a whole right. nother podcast so how that will affect um, especially Saudi Arabia's foreign policy about how they interact with the world but at the moment it's oil based and so they're mainly that's their concern India um, I actually don't know too much about India's mm-hmm. involvement in Africa but I can see how they're similar to China will seek investment in yes. Africa but right now I think they're focusing more on India itself, because India yeah, is also one of true. the fastest growing populations. I think mm-hmm. it has some domestic so, yeah, issues. In the, growth, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the growth cycle of a major economy, in, in, India hasn't reached the point that China is at no, yet, no, no. right? So it's, I guess, they're getting there. But they're getting there. It's so going to be another. That, that could be another podcast. Yeah, another few so decades. We go. Well. <laughs> uh, anyway, Hayden, thank you very much for speaking with me today. I really, I really appreciate you coming, yeah. coming on. It's a really interesting discussion. Uh, For our listeners, thank you for your time, and uh, we will be back with you next week with another episode covering another interesting topic on the Bulletin by the St. Andrews Economist.